point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. SAFM leading the conversation. Songezomapete on SAFM. Good evening, Joe. Joanna LeBlanc. Good e- well, good afternoon, Songezo. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming back. We have missed you, dear friend. How are things in Washington? Um, as you can imagine, a bit tense um, because there will be a, a lot of changes in, in D.C., uh, depending on the outcome of, of the election. Educate us now. We are literally moving on a blank sheet of paper, even if I have to betray my own ignorance, never mind the fact that you and I spent some time there together. What are the U.S. midterm elections? How do they then relate to the Constitution of Congress, the Houses of Congress? And specifically, what impact, if any, would they have in the national general election? Sure, certainly. So right now, all 435 seats um, in the U.S. House of Representatives are up for grabs. So meaning that every member of the House must run again and to earn their seat. Some will keep their seats and some will lose their seats. In addition to that, when it comes to the Senate, there are about a hundred, there are a hundred senators in the United States and currently 34 seats are up for grabs. So what it means is that currently the Democrats run, um, have control of the House of Representatives, but it appears to us that based on data, there's a possibility, there's a possibility that um, the Republicans will when the the house will be the majority and when you're the majority it means that you set the agenda the legislative agenda for the for domestic and foreign related matters um, which would also means that uh, we would not have a, a we would not have a democrat as speaker of the house so um, speaker pelosi um, who um, is scheduled to um, I believe retire by the end of this term um, would not be uh, replaced by another Democrat. Which, if the Democrats were to win the House, it would be Hakeem Jeffrey, who's the chair of the Democratic um, Caucus in the House of Representatives, and who represents New York. Um, so, if the Republicans win, we're going to be faced with. Kevin McCarthy, who will be the Speaker of the House, and Jeffries Hakeem, Hakeem's Jeffries would then become the minority Speaker of the House. So what this all means is that when it comes to um, certain policies that the American people care about or the president care about, um, the agenda will be set forth by the Republican Party. And, but as it relates to the Senate side, as we know, the Senate has enormous control, enormous power when it comes to appointing judges, ambassadors, um, and, and many other key positions. The Senate is critical. The Senate must confirm. The president appoints, the Senate confirms. 
And if the president does not have a majority in the Senate, it would be very unlikely that he will be able to move forward with his agenda, which would mean that it would impact the presidential election in 2024 because he will have less to prove to the American people in terms of accomplishments mm. because they will be blocked by the Rep Republican Party to ensure that a Republican candidate will have more leverage over a Democratic candidate for the presidency. You have said quite a lot, so let me try and deconstruct it for the benefit of those who might perhaps have lost you on the U.S.-based jargon. So in the South African context, you have our national parliament. You've got the National Assembly, which I would like, and probably it resembles more of the U.S. Senate. You then have the House of Representatives in the South Africa context for my colleagues here in South Africa, treated as the National Council of Provinces. Those two houses together in South Africa are called Parliament. In the United States, they are called Congress. So essentially, the House of Representatives, every single member of the 430-odd seats, now has to rerun for his or her four-year term again. It's now happening in 2022, and their term will expire in four years from now, 2026. And by what It's a two-year term. Is it a, every two years there'll be midterms? Every well, this this is a special. Um, so every year you don't have midterms. Every two years, by our constitution, m members of the House of Representatives must run to maintain their seats. That's how it is structured within the U.S. system. And I would imagine then the general election also affects the constitution of the House of Representatives. Absolutely. Let me ask this question. Is it then possible to run an effective term if the term is limited to, I will say, only two years, emphasis on the only? Um, some have argued that it is rather um, ineffective and inefficient and that it should be similar to the Senate because the term for a senator is six years. Um, so you run um, every six years, right? Um, whereas, and, and it all depends on when you were elected, right? Mm. All that plays a role. Whereas with the House, unfortunately, it's every two years. So you have members who, um, you know, the minute that they're sworn in, they have to worry about getting reelected because um, elections is not something that happens overnight. Elections mm. takes take time. It's a process, right? You start campaigning six months to a year before the election. For some people, if you are in a very tight district, um, it takes a little bit more work. Now, if you are in a district that is either heavily Democrat or, or Republican, you know for certain that you're going to maintain that seat. It's different. Um, but for many members, they have to get to work um, as soon as they are sworn in, unfortunately. Sure. It is quite inefficient and ineffective. But in the United States, we also don't have term limits, which some uh, many have argued that um, it, it's not a democratic process and that there should be term limits. And I personally believe that um, no member should, 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 should choose to spend the rest of their life in Congress. Obviously, the voters make the decision, but I think that um, you know, there needs to be a, a, a succession plan where you have younger people um, come and, and run for office and, and ultimately take on these leadership roles. I mean, you have people in office who have been there since <laughs> since the 1970s, 1960, oh, yes. 1935, and Joe so Biden on. himself so, has been there for half a century, literally. Absolutely. 
Let's talk about the president and his record so far in the two years, essentially, that he has been since his election. What is the sentiment as to the Biden administration? Is America happy? And, of course, it depends who America is or by who you ask. But generally, has he moved the reforms that he wanted, for instance, in criminal justice? Is Social Security, which is a big talking point in relation to this election, is Social Security more of a lived reality now? Has he been able to protect Obamacare from the continued assaults it faced in the Obama administration as well as in the Trump administration? So for a young person living in America now, are they better off in this administration or was the previous administration somewhat better, more particularly from an economic front? Well, the issues that are on the ballot this year, the issues that people are voting um, on this year are um, high inflation. And we know that is partly because of the war between Russia and Ukraine, right, which has um, uh, caused a few prices to go up, um, groceries, um, grocery prices to, to go up. Um, a gallon of milk is more expensive than it, than it was before. Um, so people are really concerned about the economy here in this country. But what Biden did, which the American people, especially um, college graduates, are so grateful for, um, is the cancellation of student debt up to $20,000 um, USD. Mm. Um, obviously, you have to make a certain amount of money. Some people are not eligible if you make too much money. Uh, but we think that I think that um, that was a significant win for the Democratic Party. Um, the push was for um, the United States, for President Biden to cancel um, student debt completely in, in its entirety, um, because there's a student debt crisis here in America. Um, yes, you are able to um, earn um a, a degree here in this country can earn a doctorate degree, a, a law degree, a, a medical degree, uh, but it comes with a cost. And, and, and we're talking about in the trillions of dollars and, and black people, um, people, of, people of African descent and African-Americans here in this country are disproportionately impacted by, our, by, by student debt in, in, in America. So that was a major win. And the Republican Party did um, some some within the Republican Party did challenge um, the, the student debt and the Supreme Court has, I mean, the student cancellation policy and the Supreme Court has has refused um, to, to, to hear the case. And also, you have the overturning of Wavy, um, Ro, Wade, um, Roe v. Wade, uh, which um, restricts mm -hmm. access to abortion and, and, and put the, the, the authority solely on States to make a determination on who should have abortion and who should not, and it, it angered a, a, lot, a lot a lot of people, in particular, um, you know, black and brown people and and, and and women in this country in general. So that that also um, um, was not in the best interest of, of the Republican Party. But in spite of all of these, um, in spite of these wins, we see that when you look at election in Georgia for the Senate race, you see Senator Warnock. And Herschel Walker, um, who's a Republican, and they're pretty much neck and neck, right? So you will think that because of these wins by the Democratic Party, 
um, perhaps there will be a much bigger gap between the two candidates when in fact um, there is not. And with Herschel Walker, um, several, I mean, two women came um, and said that he, he pressured them into having an abortion, but yet he is running as someone who supports, who does not support abortion. So the hypocrisy um, is, is rather challenging, but nonetheless, he's still neck and neck with, with, um, with Senator Warnock out of Georgia. The essential part here is this, historically at least, it has tended to be that whoever the incumbent president is, the party that sponsors him to the presidency does not retain its majority, particularly in midterm elections as is this one. From what you have said and from what our research might suggest, the Republican Party really, it is there for the taking, that is the House of Representatives. And this obviously creates the sort of government that becomes very divided, which at times has the effect of literally causing a government shutdown. This probably is more likely to happen than not. How then should we understand the impact of these elections? How should we as laypersons across the continent, across the oceans, understand the effectiveness of a U.S. government that, that is essentially divided in that regard, you've got a Republican president, you've got for two years of the last two years of his administration or her administration run by the Democrats. And the opposite is true now and more likely from what you have said. How should that be interpreted in the context of running an administration effectively against the myriad of issues that you have raised are very pressing in the American democracy question? Yeah, the reality is, unfortunately, Songhezo, is that um, the Republican Party is going to, uh, if they win the majority in the Senate um, and they are more likely to win uh, the majority in the House, um, they will do whatever is necessary to block any policy coming from, from the Democratic Party. Uh, and, and, it's, it's, and it's a strategy more than anything. It's a strategy to undermine the Democratic Party and to ensure that they will be able to maintain the House. Um, in 2024. Uh, there's rumors that um, DeSantis, um, the governor out of Florida, who is also up for for re-election and is, and is expected to um, possibly get re-elected, um, is going to run for the presidency in 2024. Um, and Donald Trump is getting ready to make an announcement on the 14th of this month regarding his intentions to run for the presidency again. And also, if the Republican Party were to uh, win the majority, what, what this says is that it further supports Trump's narrative, at least in his mind and in the mind of, of many people, that the election was stolen from him in 2020, right? Because yeah. um, so, he's going to use that. He's going to say it is because it was stolen in 2020. That's why I was not reelected as president. And now that we have a better, this system was better, we're able to maintain the majority, right? Um, so I think that there's a lot at stake um, right now um, for the Democratic Party. But the reality is that um, President, most of President Biden's agenda would not be fulfilled with a Republican-ran Republican, -ran Republican um, Senate and Republican um, House. But most importantly, a Republican-ran um, Senate, because what we saw is that when um, under the uh, under President Obama, um, there was a, there was an option for him to uh, appoint a um, a justice to the Supreme Court. And he didn't. Well, the Republican, well, you know, he did appoint someone, right? But the Republican ran Senate did not even um, grant 
the the nominee a hearing, right? Um, they did not even entertain his nomination, right? And I can see the Republican Party doing the same exact thing to um, President Biden um, for the rest of his presidency. But in spite of all of these these nuances and and um, and political challenges, I think when it comes to foreign governments, um, th there's still room for foreign governments to ensure their priorities are are at the forefront of the U.S. Um, government, right? Now mm. is the time for, for foreign governments here in Washington, D.C. to, um, at the different embassies and even different ministries, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs across the African continent, to strategize. Now that uh, I think by tomorrow, um, we, we should have a better idea of you know, what's happening, who, who has control, then it will be the job of foreign governments to strategize mm -hmm. and to know who the key players are and make sure that your, 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 your legislative priorities or whatever priorities that you have for your country are clearly conveyed um, to these elected officials in, in America at the federal level. Well, we certainly do keep our eyes peeled. It certainly is the litmus test for President Joe Biden in the U.S. midterm elections and for the Blue Party at large. The Red Swell, the grand old party, seems to be making a political comeback, certainly with the news of a Donald Trump making an announcement. It does seem as though everything will probably be more red than blue. And for those of you who want to strategize, they don't come better than Ms. Joanna LeBlanc, a managing partner at J. LeBlanc Global Consulting. Jojo, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Songezo. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your viewers. Certainly, we do appreciate your time as always willing to engage us and educating us really on the U.S. question. Whatever it is, best believe Ms. Joanna LeBlanc is in a position to respond to us. That then, ladies and gentlemen, leaves us with one more story, and we shall have it after this break.